Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, real quick. In order to support the podcast, I need the help of some great advertisers, but I want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. And in order to do that, I need to learn a little bit more about you in order to bring on the right advertisers. So if you could do me a quick favor... That is, can you go to podsurvey.com slash new mindset? And there you could take a quick anonymous survey that will help me get to know you a bit better so we can bring on the right advertisers. We can bring on advertisers that you don't want to skip. So that's all. Quick favor, if you could just visit podsurvey.com slash new mindset. And once you've completed the survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But that's all you have to do. It's a quick favor. It would mean a lot to me. Podsurvey.com slash new mindset. Hello, hello, and welcome to the new mindset who dis podcast. My name is Case Kenny at case.kenny on Instagram. And this is my weekly podcast where I create short, no BS episodes dedicated to helping you be the person you're meant to be, leave your comfort zone and live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Let's go. Welcome to episode 505. Hello, my friend. Welcome to a fresh new episode of New Mindset Who Dis. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And today, a bit of a special episode. It's a a rare guest appearance on the podcast. You know, I love to hear myself talk, but today I want to get someone else's perspective on life and love. And so a couple weeks ago, I flew out to LA to chat with Rachel Hollis. You know her work. She is a best-selling author. She wrote the monster success, Girl, Wash Your Face. She also wrote Girl, Stop Apologizing, amongst others. And you know just by that last title that I'm a fan of her approach to life. I wrote a book called That's Bold View that really supports a lot of Rachel's tremendously helpful work about standing up for yourself, creating boundaries from a place of truth, not allowing yourself to be trapped by expectations. That is Rachel. Rachel is a New York Times best-selling author. She's sold millions and millions of copies of her books. She sells out stages sharing what she has learned in her own life and her own relationships from getting married at a young age, coming from a very Southern, very religious family, being married for 18 years, and then divorcing and starting over again. And so I had the honor to sit down with Rachel in her home. She was kind enough to invite me in to sit down in her studio and chat 
chat. Uh, I was also on her podcast, by the way, so be sure to listen to that episode of hers, the Rachel Hollis podcast. I was guest uh, a guest on episode 424, so be sure to listen to that. But in this episode on my podcast, Rachel and I talk about what I think is a really powerful topic and one that I'm glad I had Rachel on for. That is a powerful, self-aware, mindful, wise woman. I had her on to talk about good girl syndrome. Good girl syndrome. That's the pressure that so many women feel to, quote, be good girls, to allow their worth, their image to be controlled by other people's expectations of them, expectations that are passed down to them, uh, perception to be a certain way, pressure to be, to act, to look a certain way, to not act up, to not be difficult, to sit nicely in the box that is given to them. And so we talked about this topic, a big meaty topic, one that I'm glad I had her on. I'm not qualified to talk about this. I don't live this in my day-to-day life. So I'm glad I had Rachel on to talk about this topic, to talk about pressure, the pressure that so many women feel to be quote, good girls. We talk about the topic of soulmates. Is that really a thing? Should we be looking for one specific person, a soulmate? We also talk about past lives. We talk about how to not be a fixer in relationships. And lastly, we talk about the true purpose of love and relationships. We tackle the big question, should you date for marriage? So really a good episode. We managed to pack a lot into it in only 30 minutes. So here's the conversation we had together, episode 504 with Rachel Hollis. Let, let's start with the, the idea. I think we've just been building on it on, on your episode, but the idea of, you know, looking to a relationship to complete us, you know, you, in, in your book, you have a, um, a, one of the lies, loving him is enough for me. We look so much through the lens of what we give we're loving them. We're in a relationship with them. We've checked this off. We don't have to worry about timelines anymore. We want to talk about a little bit about, for one, how that gets us in trouble, but also like why? Why do we do this thing where we're so focused on what we give that we end up in situations where we're not auditing what we're given in return? Yeah, I think this is a huge issue for women. And I'm not going to say in every culture, but in most cultures I know, we are raised to be good girls. Mm. And the definition of good girl is always defined by someone else. So when you're growing up, like depending on who your parents are or your family of origin or how they believe you're supposed to be, looking a certain way, acting a certain way, speaking a certain way, being a great representation of your parents or your family at large, there are all of these things that are put on us from a very young age about showing up in a certain way so that we learn to judge ourselves through the lens of what someone else perceives us to be. And then the ultimate goals we're given are to do things that just add more people to the mix. So like if you can have a boyfriend, if you have a husband, if you have children, then all of a sudden you're a good wife if your partner thinks you are. You're a good mama if your children are good. You're all of these things and very rarely actually is your own merit and your own worth being taken into account unless you're raised by a very different culture or you do the work to unpack why you think the things you do. And in my own life, there was probably a decade long period of me starting to unpack. And I think if you look at Girl, Wash Your Face, which I wrote in 2017, it's the start of that unpacking. Like I I just turned in my latest book about a month ago and I 
wanted to look at like how far my perception of the world and women and men and marriage and all of it, like how far have we come rage since 2017. Mm-hmm. So I was skimming Girl, Wash Your Face Again. One, I My instinct was like, oh gosh, I'm going to read this. And so much of it is not going to yeah, track with right. who I am because I've evolved so much mm-hmm. in six years. And um, I went through and there's certainly things where I'm like, that was a red flag for me. And I didn't understand it yet because I hadn't done enough work. But my my truths and my values are still there, even in those words. But the biggest issue or the biggest piece that needed to be unpacked and wasn't yet was the way I perceived marriage and what was normal and what was allowed and accepted. And I thought I was so evolved when I wrote that <laughs> yeah. case. Oh, like man. I really yeah. thought, I was like, oh yeah. man, I really am figuring it out because I was so evolved from you know my fam my southern very deeply religious family i was like oh i am evolved and i look at it now i'm like oh my gosh no you weren't yeah. you were really codependent yeah. you put up with a lot of stuff that you shouldn't because i was raised in a culture that said your daddy knows best and as soon as you're out of daddy's house your husband's the one that's going to know yeah. best and i was married at a very young age so i didn't have time to figure myself out and to learn what I liked and what I valued and my standards as you talked about in our conversation. Um, So yeah, I think the reason that most women fall into this trap is because it's, you know, frogs boiling in water. It's been turned up one degree at a time Uh so that we don't Mm -hmm. understand that we're being burned. Uh And it's not, it's like the, the lottery you would have to win if you are someone like me who got married very young to luck out and get, and this is assuming that you're marrying a man, that you would marry a man that is like a good person, knows like smart, strong, all of these things, and will evolve with you as you grow. Because the alternative is, You find yourself in a culture that says your husband knows best and your husband is young, a young idiot, just like you are. (laughs) And now you're looking at him. He's also got his own stuff that he's supposed to deal with. It's just, it's really a mind screw. Like it's just really dangerous. the, The question that comes to mind is, is, is marriage the goal? Like, should we date for marriage? Like what is the purpose of dating? Because that's a loaded question. I think it relates heavily to what you said. Is marriage the goal? Well, so all for your listeners, if they don't know my story, I was with my ex-husband for 18 years and very much had um, an audience and a fan base who loved our marriage, who loved him, who loved the idea, who loved all of it. And then I got divorced after a lot of years of trying every which way that I could to make it work. And I really had to grapple with this question. Mm. I was raised in a culture that said, you date to get married. You don't do anything but have a husband. That is what you were trying to do. Then I found myself at 37 questioning everything because I was coming out of a relationship with a lot of deceit and a lot of lies and a lot of things that I did not know. And so when that trust is eroded, then you start to wonder, well, like, does any of this, is any of this real? Why did I, what? So 
Why do we date? This is from a 40-year-old person. Um, I think to you date to have fun. Yeah. I think you date to meet new people. I'm the kind of person who never met a stranger. I love new friends. So I think if you're an, you know, an extrovert like me, you probably do it for energy and life. And I think that women would have a lot more success in dating if they did it for the adventure, for curiosity, for the plot point. Like if they just were like open to what the universe had for them and they didn't put a framework over it or think it had to be a certain way or that he had to be six, four and this, that, and the other thing. Um, yeah, I think you date because it's fun. Imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy thought, crazy thought. What do you, like, I always, another point, uh, thinking about like how we end up in these circumstances that are rushed, that are forced, that we're conditioned, um, thinking about marriage as the goal, thinking about borrowing, you know, timelines from parents, family, whatever it may be. What about the idea of soulmates? I find a lot of pressure comes from like, there's one person out there and you need to find that person. And if you haven't yet, you're falling behind and perhaps that you're unlovable. Wild. It's yeah, crazy. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, so I not I'm gonna get even more woo on you, but I believe in past lives. Like I just don't think there's any chance this is my first time yeah, around. There's I do, no I do too. way. Okay, I great. hundred percent. There's no way. And when I first met my ex husband, it is I wrote about it in the book. It is locked in my mind. I went out to the lobby. My boss had a meeting with him. I went out to the lobby and his back was to me. I walked into the lobby and he turned around and I had this moment of like, like I knew him. I knew him. And I thought it's because he was my soulmate. And I really believe it's because we had a lot of karmic stuff and we have been trying to work out I think many lifetimes, if I, if we were getting really deep case, I would tell you, <laughs> I actually think like I've been his mom in many lifetime. I do. Wow. Yeah. I, I realized that later, a lot of therapy later. I was wow, like, yeah. Oh, that's what this was. <laughs> um, and what's really ironic is that when I met my now partner who is, I just, I can't, we've been together two and a half years. I can't even like say enough beautiful things about this human. Um, when I met him, I remember that I walked up to him, we're meeting for coffee and I had no moment of recognition. I didn't have a like, holy shit, I know this person. And I remember thinking, oh, that's so weird. Like, because before I had that moment. So this guy is not going to be anything because I'm not having this, like, also, it's probably important to tell you that I've been with two men in my life. I'm currently dating one of them. So that also, (laughs) you're like, what? Okay. That, that will help you a little bit. And this clicking in that I had one other experience. So I thought it's always going to be like that. And now I, I believe my partner now is like you, I've like graduated to some kind of level where like, I actually got to meet the person I was supposed to be yeah, with yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't believe in soulmates. I think as much as my marriage ended in such a harsh way, we were together 18 years. Yeah. We had four kids. We had a lot of laughs, a lot of adventures, a lot of love, a lot of good stuff was there. And I think you can make a beautiful life with anybody. And if you're out there looking for a soulmate or a twin flame or whatever TikTok is telling you you need to have (laughs) now, you're not just going to be nice to like the kid at the coffee bar who looks a little funny 
and like is maybe your best friend you're gonna laugh until you pee your pants and like also would be a awesome lover and just all this stuff yeah. you don't even know because yeah. you have some weird idea in your head of what it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, and at least the force, which I want to come back to. Have you read Many Lives, Many Masters? Oh, yeah. That turned my world upside yeah, down. Yeah, I think that's thinking, where we all start. Thinking like, about past oh, lives. Yeah. Because like you wouldn't know it by how like pale and white looking I am, but like I speak Chinese and Arabic. Like that's always been my background. Oh, wow. Majored in it in, in school. So like wow. I, I 100% in a, in a past life, I was, you know, a Chinese man yes. or something. Yes. Uh, which I just, random anecdote there. Um, yeah, the way that I think about soulmates and your point about your, your current partner about kind of blank, blank slate when, when you met this man is like, when I think about soulmates, I think about someone who helps you break a pattern and, you know, that could be a pattern of, of your own self behavior or forgiveness or getting over some, you know, preconceived notion, but it's, they help you break that pattern. And that could be someone who does it temporarily, someone forever. But like, that's how I really feel compassionately about like judging the the connection with someone. They're helping you break this pattern. Like mm. to me, that is a soulmate. Um, and, you know, think about breaking patterns. I think one of the things that further exacerbates this idea of like forcing a relationship with the wrong person or rushing into a relationship is the, the guilt or shame that we're carrying from past relationships where we didn't get it right, where we've, we've added a, a headline of failed love, or you know, not being lovable, we're bringing this shame or guilt with us that is having us chase something to help erase that, and that can likely lead us into these circumstances. So, I'd love your thoughts on on shame and guilt, where those kinds of feelings come from, and, and why we're so averse to letting go of it. I mean, I know, we, I know we'd love to, but why why do we struggle with that so much? Well, I like to remind people that shame and guilt can't really exist in a vacuum. So those are feelings that are put on you by other people. It's something that you're taught from the time that you're little. Like a baby doesn't come into this world feeling shame. They'll literally crap their plant, their pants and like play with it and be <laughs> yeah. super happy about it. We're there. We inadvertently teach our children, don't do this, don't do this. I don't like when you do that. And we're we're trying to like mold them into humans, hopefully that are you know upstanding members of society, but. The flip side is that you then start to erode maybe pieces of who that child was going to grow up to be if they hadn't been molded in certain ways. So the shame and the guilt are really hard to overcome because it's trained into us. You know, again, I cannot overstate, and if you haven't touched on this in your show, you totally should, the good girl thing. It is so prevalent. It is so insidious. It weaves its way into so many parts of our lives and is used again and again and again to manipulate us into doing things that we don't want to do because mm. we don't want to upset anybody. We're people pleasers. Yeah. We want to be well-liked. So the the shame and the guilt, I my best advice on that is that's something I really learned by sitting with a therapist. That's really where talk yeah. therapy comes into play is that someone can step back from the issue and look at it with you and be like, that's not, this is not normal behavior. And this, not for you, but like the thing that someone yeah. else is doing to you is right. that's not normal. Right. And if you're so inside your own world and your own head and your own relationship, you often can't see the forest for the trees. So it's really helpful to sit with someone who can yeah. and understand that shame and guilt, they're not going to help you in any way. You know, I think on some level, we believe if we can self-flagellate enough, you know, if we can really, it's like anybody who's ever been on and off diets in their life, who's ever tried to lose weight, like 
yes, you can shame yourself into losing weight. It's not sustainable. Right. It's not right. lasting. It's not going to make you feel good. In fact, you're probably going to go way harder off the other end because you've made yourself feel so crappy. You're in such a low vibration that now you're going to reach for a coping mechanism rather than in any type of process or habit which would actually help you. Yeah. One of the more building on the good girl thing, because I can, I can only approach dating through my lens and sure. I'm not a good girl, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is so I, I talk to a lot of women and I think a common thing that comes up is women in their 20s dating men. There, A lot of the question is, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he wants. I don't know where his head at. And mm -hmm. my response is always, well, why aren't we having these conversations? Why aren't we asking? Like, that seems like the obvious thing, right? And I, of course, understand male or female rejection. The idea of rejection could be totally debilitating. And it's not as easy as being like, well, just ask for clarity or state what you want. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts in general on women being averse to having these difficult conversations or conversations that leave you exposed to being rejected? Like, how can, how can women incentivize themselves to have those conversations? Because the thing that I always say is, like, when you have a conversation like that, what are we doing? What do you actually want? You either get what you need or you get what you want. What you yeah. want would be, we're on the same page, great. What you need would be, I don't want to date you. And great, you got what you needed. It hurt, but you got what you needed. Like, that's my incentive. Get what you want, get what you need. Do the difficult thing. How, how, how do you think women can incentivize themselves to have those conversations, to find a catalyst within them to, to have the conversation? Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Quince. And I'm a pretty simple guy, a man of simple pleasures, but I do occasionally like to dress up and step out. And that's why I'm excited to work with Quince to help me elevate my style without breaking the bank. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And that's why their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they have all the must-haves like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, 100% leather jackets, and a versatile flow knit activewear. Quince was kind enough to hook me up with a sick gold Cuban bracelet and a really stylish performance flow knit t-shirt. Really my style, simple but with a pop of luxury, and as advertised, it was very affordable. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash new mindset for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash new mindset to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash new mindset. Well, you have to learn to love yourself so much that you're not willing to let someone else waste your time mm. because it is, it's a waste of time. Like I definitely wouldn't have felt like that at 20, but at 40 years old or no, I wasn't 40 when I got divorced. But when I met my partner, I was 38. I think I was 38. I had four kids I had made my own money, owned my own home, had my own career. I had a life and I love myself. Uh, that was the bulk of the work that I did when I got divorced was like, I'm going to fall in love with me. I'm going to love me so much that I'm not letting anyone into this sphere who doesn't love me as much as I love me. And what's really funny is, you know, I'll gush and gush about how incredible my partner is, but he was 44 when I met him, I think, 44. And he had been a tour manager for 25 years. He didn't have, never been married, never had children, lived a life, like a beautiful nomadic, traveled the world. He's basically like 
dating Yoda. He's so calm and spiritual and cool and all of these things. And him ending up with a woman who has four children is outside the realm of all possibility. And what's very interesting is because he had dated on and off, but like he just, it, he wasn't, he did, he didn't believe in marriage. He didn't like, he was just sort of like, I'm just doing my thing. He really was not great at being in a relationship. Mm. Like his communication, so he can guide a pop star through <laughs> like a whole saga yeah. of their life. But being in a relationship with a partner and who's upset with you or who's confused or who doesn't understand was wild. And so I just thought, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I didn't date. I had never used a dating app. I met my ex-husband when I was 18. We were together for 18 years. I, it was, I had no idea what I was doing, but I'll tell you what, I am not about to waste my time. So when he, we started talking, we had kissed and I had a crush and I was just like, very early on, I was like, I'm falling in love with you. And he was like, fuck, like <laughs> what? You can bleep that out, sorry. Love he you. was so disoriented by that and was like, what are you, what? And I was like, no, it's okay. You don't have to love me back. I'm telling you that I love you mm. because that's how I feel. And if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I want you to know that you are loved. I'm not asking for anything, but this is me. I just like, this is my truth. And it was a couple months of like, I don't know. And more than one time I was like, would it feel better for you if we were no longer together? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, if it wouldn't feel better for you, if we weren't together, then let's sit in this and figure out how to talk. So it took a long time to learn to communicate with each other. Cause I had a certain style of communication, like you know, bull in a china shop. And he has a certain style, which was like, say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I think to your earlier point about women who say like, why aren't they texting or why aren't they calling? If I had taken him not texting me at face value, I would have thought he was a jerk. I would have thought he didn't love me. I would have thought all of these things. And finally, one day I was like, he would be, he was on tour. And I would say, you know, I haven't heard from you since 8 a.m. It's 8 p.m. Like my feelings are really hurt. I feel ignored. I'm worried. And he had never had a relationship where you needed to check in with somebody. And he was also on tour. So he was just like doing a thousand things. And he was like, baby, I love you so much. I haven't like had water in 12. I'm just going really intensely. And so I said, Uh okay, here's what I need. Every once in a while, because he's like, you pop in my mind. I'm thinking of you. I'm sending you energy. I'm sending you love. I'm sending you light. It's very much his style. And I said, okay, well, when I pop into your mind, send me a single emoji. That's all you have to do. You don't have to write anything. You don't have to do. You don't have to call me. But all that is is you showing me that you're thinking of me when you're thinking of me. And he does it all the time. He is so incredible but he just didn't know and he didn't know what would make me feel loved i've gotten off on a crazy topic but i do think like you just have to communicate with your person and you have to be willing to sit in the miscommunication until you get to the place you want to go yeah and that's great i mean we talked about it on your episode about the idea of you know giving a man you know a a amount of of empathy because he's there sitting 
you know, think he's doing everything right, but you need more. And then you meet in the middle with the conversation and then you move forward from yeah. there. But I think a lot of women and men, we get in our heads in these spaces where there's a silence or a lack of action and we take it to the extreme. It means this, it means that. Whereas he's coming from his own lens, his nomadic lifestyle yeah. over the years, even though his heart is in it, but maybe the action isn't aligned with your expectation, but that conversation is the catalyst yeah. for it. So it's like empathy plus eagerness to have the conversation. I'm curious, because I think, again, the idea of rushing or forcing or ending up in a relationship that isn't right, I think a lot of it comes from the, the our tendency to be focused on potential rather than reality. So how do we find the balance between that? Because, I mean, for you, it sounds like there was patience to get to, to this point. What is the tolerance for that? How do we decide how much of, of reality we need versus hope for potential or change or like whatever the bridge is between those two things? I'm conscious of, you know, I've talked about this a lot over the last few years, but I'm also conscious that I had my children. You know, I had, I know for so many women they have ideals around wanting to have a partner so that they can make a family. And I'm really like make be 25 and like adopted kid, like do whatever you want to do, yeah. break those traditional molds. But it's easier for me to say that I wasn't looking for potential mate. I was in the beginning just looking for fun, mm -hmm. right? And I remember telling him early on, because he was like, you know, we're, we were talking through a lot of this miscommunication and what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And, um, I said, I'm not looking for someone to build a life with. I have a life. Mm. And he sat on that for several days. He was like, Oh, that's a really good distinction yeah. that you're, you're looking. I, I didn't, it's like the Jerry Maguire thing of like, you complete me. I don't, you don't complete me. I'm complete. And yeah. if you want to be part of this thing, you're going to bring a whole person. I'm going to bring a whole person. We're going to have an amazing time. Yeah. I, I didn't want someone to build a life with. I wanted someone to do a life with. Mm. Like, let's go adventures. Let's go on vacations. Let's do, we are best friends. Like, we're best friends who also like to make out with each other. It works really well. <laughs> but we're into the same things. Like, that, I wasn't looking for, like, a potential mate. I was like do you want to go to a concert with me on Friday? And is that going to be fun? Right. And then if that works out, do you want to go to the beach and go on a walk? And is that fun? Okay, great. And it was just, it was more in the moment yeah. than in the future. Yeah. And I think that's what made it work. And what also gave me patience in those moments where it wasn't quite, I really was looking at it through a lens of like, if this was just my friend, would I be more graceful in this moment? Then like, this is my boyfriend yeah. and he's supposed to show up in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. I like that a lot. I mean, it, it comes to mind the, the the phrase, it's not that serious. Like, obviously you should, you should take yourself seriously. You should take yeah. love seriously. Like who you're giving your energy to, you should take respect seriously. But I think sometimes we do get in our heads around titles and timelines and, you know, this is what it looks like and this needs to happen. But I, I love the, 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 the levity and the purpose of life that you're, you're bringing with you. Like, I think the the purpose of being single is the same as being in a relationship. It's to get more out of life. It's to create that happiness, to bring it together, to amplify each other's. So I think that's very in line with it. And I'm assuming at some point in this journey between your, you know, your 18-year relationship ending and this, that at some point you made a promise to yourself of some kind to, to you know, create your life for yourself, to be whole, 
to, you know, before finding another person, was there like, did could you verbalize what that promise was? Because I know you talk a lot about keeping promises to yourself yeah. and how that's a, a strong North Star. I'm just curious for yourself and advice. I there. think the thing that pops into my mind in the biggest way is my greatest core value is growth. And I could I couldn't be in a relationship anymore where the other person wasn't growing too. It just is impossible yeah. for me. And I think that a lot of women find themselves in this situation in their 30s, in their 40s, where they have maybe their kids have gotten older, they've poured back into themselves, they've done some work, they're starting to learn and grow, they signed up for that half marathon, they're living life again, and all of a sudden the trajectory of their life is surpassing their partner. And this can make the partner go like, oh, dang, like I want in on that. And then they start to grow as well. And it can also make the partner feel insecure and it can damage ego. And then they double down on, no, I'm going to stay exactly where I am. I I refuse to change this thing. So for me, I tried for a very long time, you know, I'm a fixer and I can make everything better. So I tried every which way I knew how to fix my ex and help him and it only made things so much worse because then mm. there it almost like eroded their ability to like figure things out for themselves if i did everything right. uh so my promise that i had then and have today is the same but looks slightly different in that my greatest core value is growth yeah. for me personal right. evolution yeah. really matters but I will never again allow anyone into my circle in an intimate way who is not celebratory of that value in me. And I'm definitely attracted to people who also are interested in evolution. You don't have to be, I have tons of friends who are like still smoking pot and like doing that. <laughs> I love them to death. <laughs> but for me, you, you, I will never put up with someone making me feel wrong for that, yeah. like for wanting to grow or wanting to change um, because that good girl mentality made me like hold it in a ball for years and years and years. Like get smaller, play small. Don't be too loud. Don't be too bold. Yeah. Uh, I'll never do that again. Yeah. That's so powerful, of course, you know, where it came from, your own experience, refusal to go back. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, you grow to a level, but then you let someone else drag you back a level, perhaps because you you haven't taken the time to verbalize that 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 promise to yourself. Promises yeah. are powerful. Like I tend to look at life through the lens of pride, the good pride, the good ego, the, the one that says I have lived through this and I will never go back. And my my barometer for life isn't isn't to be happy. It's to be proud of myself because from that comes fulfilling relationships, happiness, a better version of success. So I just think it's so important to be able to sit in the discomfort of a past experience and then to say, here, here is I'm sitting in the ruins of it, but I'm walking out with this promise. And that is what I'm using to guide myself forward. So I think that's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back to what you were saying to me earlier, the idea that you use a past experience and go, I don't want that. Because what I actually want, I want a partner who's more driven for evolution than I am. I, I want to be inspired by that. And incidentally, that's what I found because I was like, oh, I'm I'm attracted to people who are very similar to me in this way. And he is. And yeah. to be in a relationship with someone who is on a similar path than you when you've experienced the other is like 
a cool glass of water yeah. after yeah. you know being thirsty yeah. forever. Yeah. So uh, I just want to encourage your listeners, like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to sit in the tension. It's hard to figure out your stuff. It's hard to look in the mirror and face the mistakes that you also made. But in that are ideas and solutions and tactics that are going to help you figure out the next best version of your life. And it's worth fighting for. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Um, I mean, just uh, the podcast. I think you're on the podcast, yes. so it must be pretty good. Rachel Hollis podcast <laughs> uh, is great. And I think it's a good place to check out. You can get it anywhere you listen to pods. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.